Stand with me this morning if you would. Grab your Bible. Turn to the book of Ruth. Ruth. Joshua judges Ruth. First and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. Joshua judges Ruth. We're going to go to chapter two. Ruth chapter two, verse eight. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hear thou not, my daughter, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence. But abide here fast by my maidens. I'm sorry, I, I just I, I can't go on for just a second. Jerica, the Lord gave me to tell you something while ago, and I I uh, kind of passed it by. I feel like the Lord wants you to know that there's a new window of anointing that's opening over you. There's a new place of power. There's a new place of strength. All new stuff. You're about to move into a world that you've never experienced before. And the Lord said, the harder you run toward me, the faster I'll pour it out on you. He said, I'm not limited except by your pursuit. That's all that's limited me and what I'm going to do for you is your pursuit. The harder you run after me, the faster and more I'll pour it out on you. Now I can go on. Let thine eyes be on the field, verse 9, that they do reap. And go thou after them, be not charged the young men. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which is the young men have drawn. And she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto Boaz, what have I, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou should take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the day of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother, and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which knowest that not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given unto thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, O Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaiden, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. Why is she not like the other handmaidens? Because she is a Moabite. She's not allowed to be associated with the women of Israel. It was her people that deceived the nation of Israel and caused them to go into idolatry right before they went into the promised land. The tribe of Simeon lost over 20,000 people because of the Moabite women and they were disqualified. She had no right to be there, but she had a right to be there because Boaz was her kinsman redeemer. <laughs> Whew, my God. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached in her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not, and let fall also 
of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. And she gleaned in the field unto even and beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. Now turn with you would to the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. New Testament book of John. You need to remember that Ruth had no right to be there without a kinsman redeemer. The book of John, chapter 13. Hallelujah. Verse 18. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me have lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had said this, he was troubled in spirit and testified, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And the disciples looking on one on another, doubting of whom he spake, and there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned unto him, him being John, that he should ask who it was that whom he spake. Then he then lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop, a, a piece of bread, when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus said, That thou doest, do quickly. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence in this house. And thank you, Lord, for the glorious things that you've already done in here today, O God. And now I pray, Almighty God, anoint your servant, O God, that I might not speak of my abilities and of my knowledge, God, but that I might speak, O God, of your oracles, Father God, given to me, Lord God, by the Holy Spirit. May I simply be a mouthpiece, O God, to speak what you are saying unto this church today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When Jesus chose his 12 disciples, he knew that when he chose Judas Iscariot, that Judas would be the one that betrayed him. He knew from the day he picked Judas, from the time he saw him, he knew that Judas was the betrayer. And yet he chose him anyway. When you look at any of the list of the disciples in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, you'll find listed last, but still listed, is Judas Iscariot. He was just as much a disciple as anyone else that was in the group. Jesus didn't treat him differently. Jesus didn't try to, try to call him. Jesus didn't abstain from him. Jesus didn't treat him bad. Jesus treated him just like he treated the rest of the disciples. When Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, even devils were subject unto the voice of of Judas Iscariot. He was anointed of God. He was touched of God. He was moved upon by God. Everything that Simon Peter had, Judas Iscariot had too. Everything that John and James and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Thomas and Matthew, everything they had, Judas possessed as well because even though Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him, Judas, God, Jesus, allowed, I'll get it right here in a minute. Jesus allowed that same spirit to rest upon Judas that rested on the other 11 disciples. He showed no discrimination. When Judas was selected to be the keeper of the money. 
Jesus knew that Judas was gonna rob from the pouch. He knew that, but he allowed Judas to carry an office in his court. He allowed Judas to carry that pouch and no one ever said Judas was a robber except John. You may think today that you can carry some habit with you. You may think today that somehow God's made special provision for you to be able to use profanity when you get mad and somehow justified by saying, well, I was just mad and it was a slip of the tongue, but I want to tell you that out of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. And if there are words coming out of your mouth that you know shouldn't be coming out of your mouth, it's not a slip of the tongue, it's a problem of the heart. I know what's in you by what comes out of you. I know what's in you by what comes out of you. And if you think it's just a slip and you think it's just a problem and you think it's one of those things, I want to tell you this morning, Jesus didn't come for you to walk with that problem. Jesus came to set you free from that problem. And the only reason you have to carry it is because you want to carry it. Judas could have been set free from his thievery. He had enough power. He had enough anointing. He had enough prestige. He had enough of God in him that he could have been set free, but he chose to continue to carry that purse and allow the love of money to grow within his heart even though he was under the discipleship of Jesus Christ, even though he was a disciple, even though devils were subject to him, he allowed that thing to stay in his heart. And no matter what it is this morning, if there's some little pet something that you're afraid to let go of because you love it, that you're, you, do, you just can't let it go, you, just, you say, well, I just, I'm not involved with it that much. It's not really controlling me. It's, it's, not, it's not that. I just want to let you know that sooner or later, that thing will swirl and twirl within your heart because this morning, you have the opportunity to be set free from this thing. But if you refuse and you hold on to it, there'll come a day when it will consume you. It will consume you. What was Judas's sin? The love of money. Where did that sin finally show itself as being consuming in Judas's mind? Whenever Mary washed Jesus' feet with perfume and dried them with her hair. What were the words of Judas at that moment? Why was not this alabaster box of perfume sold for $300 and given to the poor? John tells us he'd said that not because he cared for the poor, but because he, had, he kept the bag and he was a thief. He wanted to rob the very blessing of Jesus to be anointed before his burial. He wanted to rob, grave rob, if you would, his very anointing, his very present, the very last thing that was done for Jesus. That sin had grown in Judas's heart to the point that he was willing to rob Jesus' grave in order to gain 300 more pence. Why? Because he was a lover of money. Oh, it started out small, it started out small. It wasn't that big a deal. It didn't consume him. It wasn't all over him. But by the time that we get to this point, he's grave robbing Jesus to try to gain it. But Jesus loved him anyway. Jesus loved him anyway. When we get to a little bit further along, we get to the very Passover that night in John 13. 
When we get to that place, we find the first thing Jesus does when his disciples show up at that upper room to begin the Passover, we find the first thing Jesus does is he takes off his garment, he puts a towel around him, and he washes the disciples' feet. He goes on to tell them why he's washed their feet. Because if you desire to be great in the kingdom of God, you'll be servant of all. Right? Y'all looking at me funny. I didn't make that up. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you're going to be servant of all. Isn't that what he says? Doesn't he say he washed their feet because if he was the master that he washed their feet, then they should wash each other's feet? Is that not what he said? So do you, he, he didn't have any trouble, I'm sure, washing Andrew's feet. He probably didn't have any trouble washing Simon's feet. James and John, no problem. Philip and Bartholomew, no problem. All of the disciples, no problem. But the last set of feet he looks at are the feet of Judas. And Jesus had no problem washing Judas's feet. You see, sometimes we think that that, that we should just cater to the ones that like us. We should just be kind and courteous to the people that are for us. But Jesus teaches us that we should be kind to everyone, even the ones who are our enemies. Even those who curse us and blaspheme us, even those who are against us, even those who lie about us, even those who put nasty things on Facebook about us, even those who call us everything that's conceivable under the sun, even those who despise us, even those who would spit on us if they see us, even them, we should be willing to wash their feet. Why? Because Jesus loved Judas. He loved him when he picked him. He loved him when he was trying to deliver him from the love of money. He loved him when he placed his anointing upon him. He loved him when he sent him out to do the works of God. He loved Judas. And even when Judas tried to rob Jesus of his blessing, Jesus still loved him because he washed his feet. We think we can choose sometimes who we want to sit with. We think we can choose sometimes who we want to be associated with. We think we can choose sometimes who we love and who we don't love. But I want to tell you, Jesus said this. He said, by this, all men shall know that you're my disciple. Because you speak in tongues? No. Because you dance in the aisle? No. Because you can pray the prayer of faith and people be healed? No. Because you can, you can, you're, you're held in high esteem in the religious community? No. Because you can preach good sermons? No. By this all men shall know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. Without love, you're not Jesus' disciple. If you can't love those whom you have seen... How can you possibly love him whom you have not seen? And that whom you have seen is not only brothers and sisters of faith that are in church with us on a weekly basis, but it's that one in the street that you're, that's, that's, that's on drugs and, and tatted up and, and their life's a mess and they're despairing and, they're, they're in a, and they're, they're, their life's a problem and you, and, and you look at them and you see the difficult situation they're in and you see the problem and you see the trial. Can you love that one? Will we leave the 99 to go find the one? Does Jesus love somebody else's son less than he loves your son? 
Does Jesus care less for someone else's son whose life is a mess, whose, whose life is in shambles, whom everything they touch turns to dust, who lives in depression and despair and are continually in, a, in, in just such a terrible... Does Jesus love them less than he loved us? Because such were some of us. Such were some of us. But he loved us enough that he washed us, that he cleansed us, that he put off that tattered robe of the world and he put a white robe upon me. He turned my sacrifice into a sacrifice of praise. He took sorrow from my lips and gave me joy in the morning. He blessed me and touched me. Why? Because I was the son of Robert and June Briggs? No, because he loved me. <laughs> Just like he loves them, my God. He doesn't discriminate. He washes everyone's feet, whether they love him or not. Jesus washed Judas's feet. Jesus anointed him. Jesus allowed him to do miracles. Jesus allowed him to keep the bag. Jesus prayed over him just like he prayed over Simon. Jesus was, was with Judas every step of the way, knowing that Judas was going to betray him, knowing that Judas was going to cause him to go to the cross, knowing that if he could just lose that love of money, he wouldn't send Jesus to the cross. If God could have broken the love of money in Judas, Judas wouldn't have, wouldn't have betrayed Christ. But Judas wouldn't let it go. And that sin of the love of money grew in Judas to the point that he betrayed his Savior. And yet Jesus loved him anyway. The story that I read to you in Ruth is the story of a kinsman redeemer over a Moabite woman. And in that story, you find that Boaz promises that woman that he will be her protector. He promises her that he will be her provider. He promises her that he will keep her, guard her, just stay in my field, and everything will be okay. Boaz promises her that, and Boaz even seals the deal by telling his servants, you go behind in front of that woman, and you don't stop her from picking up things on the, you don't stop her from not only gleaning, but if she grabs something off of a, a sheaf, something that needs to be harvested, if she mistakenly grabs that, don't you, don't you say anything to her, and you walk in front of her, and every now and then you just throw a bunch in front of her so that she can have handfuls of blessings. Amen. Give God a hand this morning. That's what Boaz promised Ruth. That's what, when he took that cup and she dipped that bread in that cup, it was, it was not just because she needed something to eat. That was a sign that I am joining with you. You are part of my team now. You're the one that I'm going to bless. You're the one that I'm going to keep. You're the one I'm going to protect. You're the one that I'm going to anoint. You're the one that I'm going to drop handfuls of purpose in front of. You're the one that I'm going to do that. Why? Because even though you're a Moabite, I am your kinsman redeemer. So when John turned to Jesus and said, who is it? And Jesus says, he that takes the bread from my cup. You have the Redeemer 
dipping a morsel of bread in a cup and handing it to a man that is about to betray him. See, that wasn't just a piece of bread. That, that It wasn't just an identifying purpose, what I'm saying. Jesus didn't do that just so John could say, Oh, I know something you don't know. He didn't do that to answer Peter's question. He did that because these guys are Jews. They know these stories. They know what's going on. They know what it's about. This was a deviation from the normal Passover. You didn't normally do this, but Jesus did it, and he did it to Judas Iscariot. Why did he do it to Judas Iscariot? Because he took that morsel of bread, and he dipped it in that cup while he was looking Judas in the eyes. He dipped it in that cup, and he said, and when Judas reached out and took that bread, Judas was saying, I understand that you're giving me the opportunity to be protected by you, to have you provide for me. I understand that you're calling me to glean in your field. I understand that you're telling me that I'm unworthy, that I am the betrayer. I understand what you're saying to me and I understand what you're offering me. I understand that you're, you're giving me the opportunity to be able to be one that's in your field. I understand that you're giving me the opportunity to be blessed of you by handfuls of purpose that I don't deserve. I understand what you're doing, God. But instead of uh, repenting and instead of receiving the sop with repentance, Judas received the sop. And he got up to go into the night to betray Jesus. He declined again the offer of protection, the offer of love, the offer of anointing, the offer of purpose, the offer of divine handfuls of purpose. He declined the offer to be a witness, a disciple, someone that God could use. He declined that, given to him by a Jesus who knew who he was, who knew what he was, who knew everything about him, but had chosen instead to take his very cup and dip a piece of bread in it and say, here is a sop. And the Bible says that when he'd made that choice, it says a very specific thing that happened when Judas took the sop but yet still decided to betray Christ, the Bible says that the devil entered in to Judas. You want to know why Judas hung himself? Because the devil entered in. You don't want to know why Judas betrayed Christ? Because the devil entered in. Because that very little thing, that little, that little thing where he thought taking a few pennies out of this bag ain't making no difference in the world. That little thing, because I'm still being used of God and I'm still being touched of God and I'm still being anointed of God and Jesus is still using me and now Jesus is washing my feet. He let that little thing grow in his life. And even though Jesus reached out to him, even though Jesus tried to love him, even though Jesus tried to comfort him, even though Jesus treated him like the rest of the disciples, even though Jesus didn't segregate him, even though Jesus washed his feet, Jesus gave him one last chance to say, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'll protect you. Don't do this. And Judas refused the very Son of God from being his protector and his kinsman redeemer. And when he did that, the devil entered into Judas. And the next time I see Judas, he's hanging from the end of a rope 
And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that somehow, somehow he ended up with the rope breaking or something, and he ended up tumbling down a hill. And the Bible says when he got to the bottom, his bowels had burst open and all of his insides had come out. That's where I find Judas. But Judas didn't get there because Christ rejected him. Judas didn't get there because Jesus didn't love him. Judas didn't get there because he decided that some other reason that he needed to betray Christ. He, did, he didn't get there because he saw anything wrong with Jesus. He didn't, he didn't get there because Jesus didn't love him. Jesus loved him to the end. He loved his disciples, the Bible says, till the end. And Judas was a disciple. But he got there because of some little thing that he decided was too important to let go of. And even though Jesus extended to him time and time again, he refused to let it go. And at the end, rejected the love of Christ and allowed the devil to enter into his spirit and drag his soul to hell. Jesus said it would have been better had this man never been born than to be born and spend eternity in the torment that the very betrayer of the Son of God would experience throughout all eternity. So what do I want you to get from this this morning? I want you to get two things. Number one, if the Lord is dealing with you about something in your heart, give it up. Give it up. It's not worth holding on to. It, it's, it's, like, it's like buying a baby python. There's a story, and I don't know that it's true. It's on the internet, so it probably is. But there's a story about a woman in Florida that bought a python, one of those big, I don't know what they call them, big pythons. She bought it as a baby. She, she kept it in her house. She nurtured it. She fed it. She did everything for it. And, of course, the python grew. And in, after, over a period of time, one day, she got to noticing she let the python sleep in her bed. That's the way the story goes. But one day, she got to noticing that the python wasn't eating its food. And instead, when it was crawling in bed, it wouldn't curl up like normal, but it was stretching itself out full length. So she thought there was something wrong with it, and she took it to the vet. And the, she told the vet the story. And the vet said, it's not eating? She said, no. He said, it's stretching itself out to the full length? She said, yes. He said, ma'am, you should get rid of that snake. And he, he said, why? I've had it since birth. It's a beautiful snake. I love it. We're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're together all the time. I've, I've not had this thing for years. He said, ma'am, the reason I'm telling you that is because that snake is sizing you up. And as soon as he figures he can hold you in his belly, he's going to try to kill and eat you because he's sizing you up. And that's what those little foxes do. They start out little foxes, but before long, they're laying in bed with you, sizing you up. So the first thing I want you to get is don't let that little fox size you up. The second thing I want to get is no matter what you've done, Jesus loves you. He's for you, not against you. His presence and His Spirit is there for you. 
There's nothing that you can experience with God that's held out from you. Just like I told Jericho this morning, it only depends on the pursuit of God you're willing to do. God's blessings and his anointing is infinite. His love for you is beyond measure. And the only thing that limits how much you receive of God is how hard you're willing to run for him. The harder you're willing to run after God, laying aside all these sins and the weights so easily beset us, let us serve the Lord with passion, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, looking, pursuing after him, fighting the good fight of faith. The more you pursue after God, the more God will pursue after you because he loves you. Hallelujah. And you can't go too far where he can't love you back. If you think you've gone too far, then you have not. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. But he is strong. Stand with me this morning if you would for just a moment. We're going to receive communion here in just a minute. I want you to stay with me if you would. But if you would bow your heads with me for just a moment. If you find yourself this morning in a situation, you know, talking to people in the world, I always come across people who tell me that they've sinned too much that God can't forgive them. Or they tell me that they've, they've, they've got to get something right before they can come to Jesus. And I want to let you know, Jesus knows who you are. He knew who Jesus was, but he washed his feet. And Jesus is here this morning to wash your feet. So here for just a minute, if there's something in your life that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of right now, then I'd like for you to raise your hand if you would say, God, I know that this is in my heart. I know that I have failed in it a thousand times. But Lord, this morning, I'm coming to you. And I'm saying, Lord God, let me take the sop from you and change my life. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands, several, several, a bunch of hands this morning. I want to pray over you this morning, and I want you to pray with me as I pray, if you would. You just pray your way, and I'm going to pray over you. Lord, you see these with their hands lifted this morning, Lord God. Lord God, those, Lord God, who don't want to allow, Lord God, some, some thing, oh God, to come between them and you to the point, Lord God, that it causes despair. And Lord God, I pray this morning, God, for the faith of God and the faith of the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would touch them this morning, Lord God, and you would bring deliverance, Father God, because you love them, oh God, and you care about them, oh God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this morning, Lord God, I pray for strength, Lord, for these to become overcomers, Lord God. Lord God, that your love, O oh God, would extend to them, O oh God. And Lord God, they would receive your forgiveness, Lord God, and they would receive your power this morning, God. And you would rescue them, O oh God, from all the wiles of the devil, Father. Lord God, we thank you for it this morning, Lord, and receive it in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. 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 If you believe that prayer as we were praying it, then you should start to feel different. You should start to feel some encouragement. You should start to feel some relief. 
you should start to feel some strength that the next time the enemy comes in like a flood, you begin to realize that the Spirit of the Lord can lift up a standard against him. You don't have to be blown around by every wild of the devil. There's a seed that lives within you that's mighty and conquering and can cause you to walk right and live right and make it to heaven. Shout in glory. Because Jesus loves you. Because Jesus loves you. Because Jesus loves you. Amen. Amen. We're going to receive communion this morning. Kathy, would you come play for me? While we're serving communion, you can either be seated or stand however you'd like to do. But if my communion ushers would come at this time, we don't, you don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion. I'm very thankful this morning to have some of my relatives from Oklahoma with us this morning. Uh, it's good to, good to see them, good to have them. Thank you. Um, so you don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion this morning. All you need to be is a follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to serve you. Just hold the emblems until everyone's served and then we'll partake of them together.
praise God. I thank God for his spirit here this morning, you know. He's moving and he does things that because we don't see it, we don't expect it. And that's not how he operates and how he moves. And you know, um, when Brother Scott texts me and asks me to bless the bread, <laughs> that uh, I got proof. I got proof. <laughs> I got the text. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was sitting um, in my deer stand yesterday morning and I was thinking, I said, Lord, what do you want to say this morning? I said, because you know where every heart is this morning. You know who's going to be here and you know what's going to be effective of what to minister to everybody. And I do not. And I don't have to know. But you know, the good thing is he knows. And so as I was sitting there, you know, I was looking at the feeder and I thought, I wonder if it's went off yet. You know, it's an electric feeder and it goes off at certain times and the deer get used to that. So they'll come out there after the feeder goes off. And so you're expecting them, you know, once you hear the feeder go off. And so I was sitting there and I thought, hmm, I wonder what time it goes off because I hadn't heard it yet. And so I text Chad, because he's, he's on down the road in his own stand. And I said, what time's the feeder go off? And he said, well, I think about six. And I thought, oh, man. I said, it's almost eight. I said, I've missed it. So my expectation just went, it went real down. You know, I thought, well, hmm. And so as I was sitting there, and I was thinking, well, okay, then I'll just meditate on you, Lord. You can speak to me about what you want to say. And then I heard that feeder go off. The feeder went off. And immediately, my expectation shot up. My excitement shot up. And you know, when we're expecting something, it brings hope. It brings hope. And it brings life. And it's a powerful thing. It brings a lot of things with it. If we allow it to to come to us and when it gets to us like this morning when the Holy Spirit made the, the call about what he wanted to do for you what you needed and he's dealt with your heart about it that it was up here that should have when you come up here to receive it brought an anticipation and an excitement and awareness of what he was offering of what you needed and all that comes causes us to come to a place to be or get prepared to receive what he offers and so and that's in whether it's sitting in a deer stand waiting on the feeder I was expecting the deer to come out once I knew that there was something there for them to come get you know it's not that I didn't know they were there I knew that they were there we had pictures of them we had the time stamp of it and they come out at that time but I thought well they might pass me by if the if the corn wasn't on the ground at that time and I thought, hmm. But as soon as that feeder dumped out that corn and I heard it, it brought a spark of excitement and anticipation, expectation. And you know, that's what Jesus does for us. What he did when he lived the life on this earth, he brought an expectation for when he was gone of what he does service by service, day by day, when we're connected to him, he brings an expectation and an anticipation, a waiting and a watching that we have a part in. 
you know, we're sitting there anticipating and waiting and it brings in an awareness to us to pay attention. Then we're aware of the things of when he was moving in people's hearts and dealing with them this morning and he gave you opportunity. He gave us all opportunity to come and to receive part of it, of what we needed. And so, you know, I was, I was thinking about that. It all boils down to getting prepared. He's preparing us to be ready for when he comes back. And he went to the cross in preparation for that, his death to give us life. And so, and in those things, you know, as I was asking him of what he wanted to bring out this morning was that he's the bread of life and he offers us that life. He offers us the things that he provided for us whether it be healing in our physical bodies, he provided that. It's written, he did. He provided for our mental healing and capacity when we receive Christ because he gave us his mind. He made and prepared for us to be made whole here while we walk on this earth. And then he tells us in John, that he's the bread of life that gives life, the living bread. And just as this body needs food to keep living and to keep moving and keep going forward with energy and strength, that Jesus is that for us. And he offers what we need every single day. And if we're lacking in any of it, then it's on our part because he's provided it. And it's up to us to come to receive and partake of that. And in verse 57, he says, Just as the living Father sent me, and I live by and through because of the Father, even so, whoever continues to feed on me, who takes me for his food and is nourished by me, shall in his turn live through and because of me. It's a continual thing. And you know, he knew that we would need to be reminded of these things often. That's why he told us to do this as much as we do this, do it in remembrance of him, to remind ourselves, to be reminded of what he offers. And any time that we feel that we're lacking, that we can come and to receive the nourishment, the strength, the vitality of life that he gave us through his death. And so this morning as we were in worship and the Lord just let me see there was some there's some people's hearts in here it was a door and it was closed and all around you you see your life as a train wreck you know when a train is on tracks and it has cars behind it and when it has a wreck they're all off the track and it's a mess stuff is strode everywhere it's chaos and you see the mess and you try to make the outside look good by patting it, by doing the things you know, come to church, you, you feel good for a minute, but you still go back in to the place that you were. And it leads to a train wreck. And you think that I can never get it where it's not always in a mess. And as I was thinking about that, the Lord said, it's because when it gets to that one place, you let God, we let God deal with us in areas and we let him come so far, but then we keep a door closed, which causes everything else behind it that he wants to do for us 
fall off the tracks and become a mess because we don't let him pass that point. And he even said that this morning. And so I thought, how good of you, Lord, to just confirm those things. And when we come to a place where it's hard and we don't want to open the door to him, that he's trustworthy. And he's faithful to do what he says he'll do for us, how it needs to be done. And all we have to be is willing to continually partake of him, to continually come to him of what he offers. And so that's why I'm thankful this morning that he gives us life and sustains us. And that's why we do this in remembrance of him because we need to be reminded of that. He knew life was going to get hard and it was going to be difficult at moments. And so in reminding us every month when we do this is to let it have that full work and play in us. Bring us back to the place that we can receive from Jesus the bread of life that he truly is. So anything that we have need of, Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you for the word, Lord God, that has brought truth to us. And I pray, God, that we have a heart that's willing to receive it, Lord, to have its perfect work in us, Lord. For not only for us, Lord God, it's, we, we receive the benefits and the goodness of it, Lord, but it's for your glory and you're worthy of it. You're worthy of the glory. And we thank you, Jesus, for reminding us of what you've done of what you're doing now and what you're going to do. And we give you thanks and praise for it today, Lord. For everything that we have need of, you provided it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the bread. Apparently, I can't read right because I thought I got the bread too. But you know what? That's all right. Yeah, but that's that's okay because when we get purified by that bread, it's wearing and to take to the blood washes away all my sins. We first have to purify ourselves and let that blood just come and wash us away and wash away and wash away. I know when I first got saved, I felt like I stayed down in an altar for six months. And each time the blood washed a little bit more away, a little more away. And it wasn't all instantaneous, but the major part of it was. But I would find myself down in an altar and I would find myself being touched by the Holy Spirit and and I'm reminded of Christ shedding his blood on a cross that I might be saved. And the things I had done against him before, it, it just, like we was talking about Judas a while ago, is how he, God forgave him. I felt like God forgave a Judas in me. There was nothing that I had done that he wouldn't have forgiven me for. He removed all shame that I had in my life at that time. And when I would get up from an altar, I would feel so clean and so purified by the blood. Because where I was in great sin, God had grace that was much greater. That he would forgive somebody who would trespass against him. 
I was as guilty as driving nails in Christ as the Romans wear themselves. But he still forgave me. He still loved me. And I thank God for through the last, since 1996 up to whatever the day is, God has always loved me. Forgiven me for my faults, forgiven me for my slights. But the blood doesn't cover my sins, but it washes away my sins. You see, how much better can it get than that? Amen. Knowing that I have a Savior that is an advocate with the Father if I do sin, but when you've got a relationship with the Lord through the blood, you don't want to sin. You don't want to have that opportunity. It's not That's not what it's for. It's just in case. But I, I'm telling you, you, you want to please the Lord so much that you grieve that you might have displeased Him. And I want it to be where I hate sin as much as God hates sin. And the only way to do that is through the blood. So, let's go in prayer to the blood. Lord, we just thank you so much right now, Lord, for loving us and protecting us and keeping us in your way. Lord, you never give up on us. You left the 99 and come after the one, and that was me, Lord. I was the one that was disobedient, the one that ran and tried to hide. But Lord, you never give up searching for me or looking for me. And even when you found me, I kicked at you and tried to push you away, but yet you wouldn't let that happen because of your love for me. You said you endured the cross for the joy set before you, O oh Lord. And Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, evidently, I'm the guilty party. Soon this life will all be over and our pilgrimage will end. Soon we'll be at home a journey, be at home again with friends. Heaven's gates are standing open, waiting for our entrance there. And some sweet day, we're going over all the beauties there to share. And just a little while to stay here, just a little while to wait. And it's just a little while to labor in the path that's always straight. Just a little more of troubles in this low and sinful state and then we'll enter heaven's portals singing through those pearly gates amen jesus loves you no matter where you're at jesus loves you <laughs> he is for you not against you I was handed a note to say tonight our children will have play practice at 4 o'clock. So if you have a child in the play, you're going to have a really short afternoon. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord God, lead us and guide us this afternoon. God, rest our bodies, Lord, and bring us back tonight at the appointed hour, Father. 
May Jesus Christ be glorified in all things, Lord God, and may you receive glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.